This podcast is brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. BankInfoSecurity.com is your source for the news and views shaping security and risk management within the finance space. Most industry experts agree banks are finally emerging from this shroud of recession that has stunted investments and innovations for the last 36 months. Now that institutions are finding themselves more in the black, what security and innovations should they be investing in in 2011? Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here today with Doug Johnson of the American Bankers Association. He's here to share his thoughts about expected bank investments in channel integration and ACH security and innovations and solutions. Doug is the Vice President of Risk Management Policy at the American Bankers Association. What are you hearing in the industry from bankers about investments in channel integration and efforts to curb ACH fraud? We've been talking uh, quite frequently, obviously, with our institutions about um, the challenges associated with ACH fraud, uh, particularly right now. And uh, um, while I, I, I think that there is uh, some um, impact still of the economy associated with uh, the technological uh, the innovations and the payment of, for those innovations, that there are a couple of different things that institutions are, are looking at and really desiring from the, the vendor community as it relates to ACH particularly. And uh, uh, one of them is, is really um, ensuring that, that there's a, a better level of integration between what uh, banks have in terms of product on the anti-money laundering deterrent side and what they have on the fraud side. There's uh, uh, an expectation, I think, going forward that those uh, two types of products are going to be better integrated. Um, in some cases, they aren't as well as they should be right now. Um, for instance, if you were um, looking at trying to use a uh, fraud tool um, to also do some of your anti-money laundering work, um, you would uh, have to also bolt on something that, that had OFAC lists on it and things of, of that nature because uh, the fraud tool wouldn't really know that. Um, however, if you wanted to use a, a money laundering tool to, to look at fraud deterrence, um, uh, generally the money laundering applications are in batch form, and so that really doesn't do a whole heck of a lot of good if you need to, to know almost on an instantaneous basis when a, uh, in a fraudulent ACH transaction or an unauthorized ACH transaction has been, been accomplished. And so I think that there's going to be a, a, a better uh, level of integration um, between those types of tools because the banks are demanding it. Um, and one of the reasons why they're demanding it is because it, it gives um, to senior management a, a, a better value proposition because now those particularly anti-money laundering tools are not just sunk costs. Um, they actually um, have you know dollars to the bottom line because essentially uh, you're deterring fraud. So I see those kind of, of integrations um, occurring um, more than, than not uh, to, to really try to help both anti-money laundering activities as well as um, fraud deterrence within financial institutions. Now, Doug, most institutions continue to rely on manual fraud detection, meaning that cross-channel fraud detection is not really part of the equation. Why has cross-channel investment continued to lag, and do you expect that to change in 2011? I do expect it to, to change to some degree. I think um, some of it is manual um, for the very reasons that we were uh, uh, discussing earlier, but I think that the tools are, are quickly catching up and, and may 
prove to be of substantial value because they conform dual purposes. Um, I think one of the things that, that we're also seeing is um, enhanced uh, identity management and authentication tools um, that can go cross-channel as well. For instance, um, if someone um, is uh, trying to defeat the standard internet banking channel and get credentials in, into that channel in order to, to uh, conduct ACH transactions, uh, stronger authentication measures and security measures on the front end um, can, can actually uh, attempt to, uh, to, to frustrate that. Um, so I think that, that really, um, you know, manual fraud detection will always be on one component. You're not going to take the human being completely out of the equation. But I, I do believe that um, what we'll see, and it may not necessarily be, you know, a, a groundswell in 2011, but I think that we'll increasingly see, you know, more automated tools, um, particularly tracking and, and uh, triggering tools as it relates to ACH fraud, because one of the things, obviously, which is, is very important is to be able to detect uh, when a, a transaction does not fit a normal pattern. Um, we're very accustomed to doing that within the retail card market, but we're we're not as accustomed to doing that in the ACH environment. And I'm going to ask a question here about ACH. Most institutions say they are doing more to fight ACH as well as other types of fraud via customer education. How effective do you see customer education being in the fight against fraud, and do you think that more technology investments are needed? I think that really there's there's a lot of different tools that that institutions and customers have. Um, let's face it, the the world is a is a different place um, than it was when brick and mortar was the the primary delivery channel. I think that that our surveys here at APA demonstrate that that's no longer the case. That that um, now for the first time we have more customers. Um, uh, indicating that, that the online channel is their their primary delivery channel, and so that's a different environment. When you've got a brick and mortar environment, essentially the customer is protected by the bank. The customer goes into the bank. Um, there's security cameras there. There's probably bullet resistant glass. There's greeters. There might be armed guards. There's a series of protection measures that that take place in in that particular environment. Um, however, you can't translate those kinds of protections um, into someone's third bedroom. It, that doesn't work very well. Um, so customer education is vital to, to really continue to impress upon that customer that because of that new environment that they have to have some skin in the game. They have certain levels of responsibility to help fight ACH fraud, and, and they need to take those responsibilities seriously. Uh, customer education is only effective um, if it's continuous. Um, it's not one and done. It's something that, that the institution has to continually partner with the customer in order to uh, to accomplish that end. Um, as to whether or not technology is needed in that, I, I think that, that while there might be technological tools associated with customer education, that the customer education is very personal. I'm sure you can use website as deployment um, and, and things of that nature, but one of the things we've found very effective is for financial institutions to actually hold um, sessions within the branch to, to bring their small business and their municipal customers in to to tell them uh, uh, you know the seriousness of, of ACH um, fraud and, and the, the fact that the bank is there to protect them, but that they have also some responsibilities to protect themselves. And if we do this together, um, we'll be on the side of the millions of these ACH transactions that occur safely daily, as opposed to the few that periodically occur that are not done safely. 
Now, ACH fraud obviously is a huge concern, namely because of the many points of access the ACH network opens for payments as well as other types of financial transactions. How can institutions do a better job of securing ACH transactions while also reaping the benefits from expected innovations in ACH rails for payments? Uh, Tracy, I, I really um, recommend and have always recommended that institutions use every tool they have available in the toolbox, essentially. It's it's really a, a, a series of things that the institution can do. Some of those tools are technological, as we've, as we've spoken about before. But other um, tools, uh, either in the customer education realms, as we have discussed, or um, within the internal control realm, which is something we haven't talked about, there's nothing like your, your basic internal audit controls, your basic blocking, blocking attack. Um, that um, that really can serve to, to frustrate uh, a technological um, exploit such as a malicious software. Um, putting in dual control for any ACH transactions, uh, particularly if those ACH transactions are over a certain um, dollar value, um, and maybe using positive pay as well so that the financial institution can determine whether or not that's a payee which you've authorized and that's the payee amount that you've authorized. Um, those kind of things in conjunction with um, technological solutions and in conjunction with education um, really set up an environment where you can minimize losses. And the only way you can expect um, to reap the benefits associated with these innovations in the ACH rails and get people to ride those rails is, is if you minimize those losses because in a lot of these cases, is um, one of the customer education points is that the customer needs to be aware that in the ACH environment, if they are negligent, they might actually be responsible for the loss. And so it's nothing like having that responsibility to get someone's attention um, and to realize that they have to work in partnership with their institution. So I think it's all those three pieces wrapped in together. It's technology in conjunction with education uh, plus your standard level of internal controls. And you've kind of answered my next question, and that is, how will security investments impact ACH payments? And it sounds like it just needs to be more of a collaborative effort as far as making sure that those transactions are secure to enhance consumer trust as well as commercial customer trust. Yes, I do believe that there's going to be some innovation um, in the identity management space that will affect um, ACH security uh, going forward. The Obama administration is is uh, very interested within their national strategy to, uh, for secure transactions in cyberspace of really tightening that space and, and increasing customer trust by uh, essentially giving financial institution customers and, and customers of other online services um, more control over that environment and that includes more control over the manner in which they authenticate themselves and, and let themselves be known you know on the internet and so I think institutions um, and this will be consistent with what we see the financial regulatory agencies doing I think that that institutions will be increasingly providing customers with a variety of identity management options and explaining those options um, to the customer and in partnership with that customer coming to the conclusion of, of which one of those uh, make the most sense you know for that customer um, that's going to be a mandate from the administration and I think it, it also will flow into the risk management um, process within identity management as well whereby institutions are going to be required to ensure that, that their risk management process isn't one and done, that they just don't pick an identity management product, an authentication product, and levels of security and think they're finished with it. It's a continuous review process to make sure that, that those, uh, those products are, are actually meeting the threat. 
Now, in a recent survey that we conducted, we found that only 37% of respondents deem ACH fraud to be a problem. Most industry experts agree that ACH fraud is a much larger problem than the majority of institutions may realize. Do you agree with that, and do you think that institutions are unaware of ACH fraud, and what educational steps is the ABA taking to help them get a better handle on the fraud? Oh, Tracy, I found that uh, that number interesting. Um, uh, when I do uh, sessions um, in conferences or seminars or otherwise on ACH fraud, I generally do ask the question of how many institutions have been impacted by ACH fraud, and roundly about a third of the hands generally um, do go up. Um, more hands have gone up um, over time um, as the, the threat has increased. But um, being human beings, I think uh, in, in a lot of instances, unless you're impacted by ACH fraud and your institution's impacted, um, you, you might not be properly sensitized to it as an institution. And, and that's where um, ABA comes in, I think. Uh, folks may be unaware because they, they have not um, been impacted by it. It's our job to ensure that they understand what the threat is. And you know, I think you're familiar with some of the work that the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center has done to uh, respond uh, to detect and deter these kinds of, of threats, including ACH uh, account takeover. You know, we're providing a variety of tools out of that process um, that will give um, banks the tools to not only just educate themselves but also educate their, their customers um, so that banks can get a better handle on, on ACH fraud and also have the tools that are necessary to, to really uh, more adequately protect the environment. And in closing, Doug, could you tell me what you deem to be the top three security areas, especially as they relate to ACH wire fraud and channel integration, that banks will focus on in 2011? Well, Tracy, I, I mentioned identity management. I, I do think that, that there is going to be um, some increased emphasis from the bank regulatory agencies on identity management. Um, and I, I, I do also think that, that um, there's going to be somewhat of, a, of an emphasis on, on what the risk management process within institutions um, looks like um, from the standpoint of the examiner. Um, I think institutions, as I indicated earlier, will be um, held to a, a standard of continuous review, which they should be. That's that's what the uh, the, the examination guidelines currently call for. Um, I think another thing that that um, we're going to see is is increased um, uh, triggering um, tools, um, so that institutions will know, you know, when an ACH transaction occurs in a particular account, which is outside of the norm, you know, for that particular account, and and the utilization of those triggering tools and, um, and some out-of-band callback associated with um, those unusual transactions before they're ultimately approved, I think um, are, are, is something that we're going to see to, to a greater degree. And also something a little off-center, but, but certainly uh, related to information security, um, we do know that the agencies are, are looking at cloud computing. And, and whether um, there's a necessity to, uh, to, to maybe um, put out some, some guidance other than the standard vendor management guidance that's out there associated with cloud computing um, so that institutions know um, what the, the agencies believe are the proper um, considerations um, when someone does start to, uh, to populate their data outside the institution um, and what are the, the data security concerns associated with that, including customer information. Um, so that's that's the, the three top um, hits that, that I see in terms of, of, of really information security and technology over the course of the next year. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time today, Doug. You're very welcome, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Doug Johnson of the American Bankers Association. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. 
This podcast has been brought to you by BankInfoSecurity.com. For more interviews, breaking news, research, and educational webinars, please visit www.BankInfoSecurity.com.